What's up, everybody? It's Honorado and Bagnardi. We're on the News Channel 13 Facebook and Twitter pages. We are on my four. It's Chris Honorado. It's Sean Bagnardi. And Bags, this is the time to be alive if you are a sports fan because you've got the World Series. You've got the NFL hitting the midpoint of the regular season. Although, is there one? Yeah, I guess there would be now because we have an odd number of, of games. Mm-hmm. And you've got the NBA and NHL seasons into weeks two and three or whatever it is of those seasons, man. This is the time to relish if you're a sports fan. This is the time to be a sports fan named Chris Honorado. You got your Braves in the World Series. You got your Packers still going strong here. This is a good time for you, man. Except except not for getting any sleep. Not for getting any sleep, not for keeping any sanity the way you know these pressure-packed games go. When you get to a World Series, but you'd rather be there than not, obviously. And 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 a big Thursday night game with the six and one Packers and the seven and zero Cardinals. We're going to get into all that here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Our NFL Pick'em presented by Pick Six Vodka coming up, and two big time guests, man, Mike Aruzioni, the nineteen eighty Team USA hockey captain gold medal squad will join the show we are 100 days away from the 2022 beijing winter olympics so we're marking that on today's show and paul burt braves broadcaster 14-year major league baseball pitching veteran he'll break down the world series but most specifically look ahead to game three with ian anderson on the bump for the atlanta braves on friday night let's get it going you're watching honorado and bagnardi This is Honorado and Bagnardi, brought to you by Outfit House. All right, Bags, as we do this show on a Thursday morning, it is 1-1 in the World Series, and all eyes now go to our guy, Ian Anderson from Shen, as he'll take the mound for the Braves to try to give Atlanta a series edge. Look, the goal anytime, right, you, you you start a series on the road, can you get one? That's what everybody yeah. says. Hey, can you just get one? The problem is when that one is game one, then you think, well, now we got to have two. Now you got to find a way to get the second one, especially considering the fact that it was Max Freed pitching right. on Wednesday night. You're, you're really your best pitcher. People are calling Charlie Morton the ace. It's Max Freed. He was the best pitcher all, all year long for Atlanta. And I said to you through text, Got to have it. Got to have it. And then they don't. You feel like you almost feel, Shawnee, like you're behind in the series, even though home field still does favor the Braves. I'm with you there. Uh, yeah, people say you got to you got to split. Right. But for me, that more stands up in a sport like basketball or hockey where you're going to go two two one one one. Because I think it's really hard to go win three in a row, even at home, right? Especially now from the Braves' perspective when you don't have Morton. You already know game four is going to be a bullpen game, right? Now, look, that that doesn't mean that that they're going to lose those games. I mean, you can make the argument that every game could be a bullpen game now. I, I mean, Ian Anderson 
pitched great. He pitched spectacular in the clinching game against the Dodgers. He pitched four innings. I mean, that's essentially a bullpen game. So, again, it doesn't mean you're going to lose those games. You just feel like you're not in that position of strength that you'd like to be after getting the split on the road. Yeah, correct. And, again, I just always go back to – you know, if if game two was a starter you don't love, okay, but but it's your best starter, and you feel like you know, uh, look, Max did not pitch well. Um, no. But this is the fear, and I've said it. To, I don't know that I said it on last week's show, but I said it to people in the newsroom when they asked, "Hey, how you feeling, Braves?" I said, "Yeah, look, I, I love the fact that they're in there, but this Astros lineup scares the heck out of you." I mean, one through seven, Kyle Tucker's hitting seventh, and you know, Yuli Goriel is hitting eighth or whatever. This lineup is so deep that you just feel like every single at bat is a grind. Okay. Every single pitch can, is cannot miss as you're as a viewer because you just don't know what's going to happen. There's just so much pressure and emphasis on every single at bat in what is now just, you know, a, a five game series. I'm not saying the Astros lineup isn't better, but you don't think that Astros pitchers feel the same way? That just about every every bat in that Braves lineup is going to be a tough out. Maybe, I maybe mean, Travis Darno hit a home run in game two. Yeah, the production out of him—that's pretty. You know, my my Mets, my former Mets man. Um, look, game one showed us that how good the Braves lineup is. I mean, they can go out there and score some runs for you. Game two showed us that Houston can do the same thing. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's baseball, right? Um, I don't know after watching the first two games that I can sit here and say, who really has the definitive advantage right now? I mean, the Braves got the steal, as you mentioned, I think losing Charlie Morton hurts them. And I, like I said, I think it's tough to win three in a row at home. So maybe the edge is slightly to Houston, but it's one, one. And what do we really learn from each of the first two games that well, both of these lineups can can produce? And it really just depends who's going to on any given night. I mean, I, no, no pitchers in this series really blow me away. So, and I think both lineups are really good and, and efficient and can put up runs on any given night. So for me, this is pretty much a coin flip now the rest of the way. Obviously, game three is going to be big. The Braves want to feel momentum, get momentum back going back home, right? And, of course, you want Ian to pitch well. I mean, we could find ourselves in a situation where Ian is pitching pitching in another potentially series winning game or elimination game, right? I mean, it's going to be one or the other if it's it's a game six scenario. So, yeah, to me, it's basically a coin flip here, maybe slight edge to Houston, but I still think you're in a good spot. The way they – the way they map out the rotation the rest of the way will be very interesting. Did Freed not throw as many pitches last night where he can come back, short rest, and pitch game five? Because otherwise, Ian is, is lined up, Shawnee, to pitch what would be a game seven. Mary Fran's going to be watching Go Braves go. And how about this from her? Yeah, no pressure. Just go out there and throw a no-no. Right? Yeah, but here's where she loses it. She thinks I'm pitching, not Ian. So. <laughs> yeah, that's unreliable there. Uh, no, it would be incredible, obviously. Um, what's a good game for you out of Ian? I mean, is four innings enough for you if he No, if he no not the way the bullpen has been taxed. I mean, right. Snicker went to the bullpen, had to go to the bullpen so early in game one, obviously, with the Morton injury. And then to be to be honest with you, 
Freed pitching, uh, I'll say, as deep as he did Wednesday night, although I realize it wasn't deep, but Freed giving the Braves, because it looked like he could have been done after three. And the fact that he went another two innings on top of that, that, that helped. Then it was Drew Smiley. So, okay, here's a starter we're not going to use in a, in a high leverage late inning situation the way they will the the Minter, Matzik, Will Smith, Luke Jackson, Quattro. Um, so I think they did well enough. Wednesday night to avoid the bullpen feeling like it's overtaxed already. That said, Ian at home, where the starting pitching has not been great to begin with, bags. This is this is a bit get through the first inning clean, and I feel really good about the way he'll pitch. We all know that the first inning yeah. has plagued him. The ERA is over six in first innings, two through nine. It's it's in the threes. Got to be five. Got to be at least five. And look, I'd love to see six or seven, but it's got to be. I'm I'm just going to say it's got to be at least five. And and I'll if it were the AL Park, I would be pushing him for six or seven. But knowing how Snitker has been so quick to remove any pitcher, not just Ian, for a pinch hitter in the NL Park, give me at least five, Ian. Be good enough where after five you've got a three or four one lead, and Snitker isn't worried about getting a pinch hitter up there to create offense. Uh, how frustrated have you been watching some of the defense so far in, in this World Series? Has not been has not been exceptionally clean yet, right? I mean, that's gonna it's, no. it's gonna clean up a little bit, right? As they as the nerves kind of settle down, you think as we get deeper into the know, series? Man. I mean, that world? home you would hope so. Look, I mean the 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 throw away, I'll say uh, by Eddie Eddie Rosario is not he's not a Golden Glove left fielder. Um, yeah. So him throwing to third base when there's nobody standing there is a little troubling. But why isn't Austin Riley there on top of that? Okay. And then Dansby Swanson is completely unaware that there's nobody standing behind him at third. And he olays the the cutoff throw. Yeah. Um, so that was it, – it's the Dansby error in game one where you scratch your head. And then the Ozzie Albies not securing the throw and transfer and what would have been a double play potentially in – was at the sixth inning, fifth yeah. inning of of the Wednesday of game two. Yeah, it's been sloppy, man. It's been very sloppy. It's incredibly frustrating when you get this late in the season, big time moments, and the guys look quite honestly like it's a game in May. Yes, yeah. frustrating. So last time the Braves were in the World Series was 1999, right? Yeah, man. Against yep. the Yankees. How how disappointed would you be if they don't come through now after such a long wait? Where's your head at right now as a as a diehard Braves guy, two games in, one-to-one? One? I'll be disappointed. The Astros are good, though, man. It's a really good team, lineup especially. Um, but it hurts. it hurts. But that said, you get there, and again, you get game one. Look, if Houston had won game one 6-2 and not Atlanta, and then they win game two 7-2, then you start to feel like, okay, are we outclassed? Yeah. But but they're not. They're they're good enough to win this thing. So, well, And that's what makes it tough, too. I mean, that's what makes you really want it. It's one thing if you have a great year and you go get rolled like my – like my Nets did when they got to the finals and the Lakers sure. just dismantled them. But then you get back there and you're in a tight six-game series, almost seven against the Spurs, then it really hurts. So it's almost harder when you're not outclassed because you think we were, we're basically championship-worthy here and we didn't get it done. I mean, the Royals were really, really good 
but I felt like the Mets had their chances in that series. So oh my gosh, the, every single game could have won that game. Right. Yeah. So what are your yeah, thoughts man. here on Sam's comment? Advantage to Atlanta, no DH in the next three games, which takes a bat out of the Strohs lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's let me give you my reaction. I think their lineup's still better. I love you, Sam. I, I'm but I'm not buying this because the Astros will subtract a guy like Chaz McCormick who is playing center field. They'll move Kyle Tucker to center. They'll still have Jordan Alvarez and Michael Brantley in the lineup. Now, the defense will suffer because you've got Alvarez playing the outfield, but the Braves have to make a decision here. Who And it, it the odd man out will be Jock Peterson, but you're going to lose Jock Peterson's bat to make sure Jorge Soler is playing right and Rosario is in what That's my gut feeling is that, mm. you know, it's going to be Soler that, that gets the start and Peterson comes off the bench, but – but you're taking an equally effective power bat out of the Braves lineup as as more so bags than than you are Houston's lineup in this situation. McCormick compared to Peterson. Yeah, I don't disagree. And like I said, I still think the Astros lineup's better, even in spite of that. So, but yeah, I mean, look, that's a part of having the home advantage in the World Series is that that is something comes into play. I mean, probably not for too much longer, right? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so take advantage of it if you can, if you're Atlanta, because realistically, they got, they've got to at least win two out of three, right? I mean, you've got to go – you've got to be going yes. back to Houston thinking to yourself, we just got to get one. If you go back and you, and you need both, then forget it. And, and yeah. it's probably not realistic that you're going to sweep at home now, right? So two out of three, you'd be happy, right? Yep. Yeah, especially considering games four and five, you don't know who that is even starting yet at this point. I look, I think it will be Waskar Noah game four. I think it'll be Kyle, Kyle Wright uh, game five. Little roll call here, Sam. Good morning to you, buddy. Jay Pulaski's watching. Good morning, man. Carol, of course, is on with us here this morning as well. How are you, Carol? By the way, Sam has a question too. Any chance I can get to Atlanta this weekend? I I, I talked about it. I looked at tickets. Um, but but no no chance we are busy here at thirteen this weekend. Um, early look was on third party market was like a thousand for just kind of general standing room. Oof. Okay. Yeah, tough, tough. Because you're not going to with us here, big Bengals fan. Who day? I I don't know that Lucy's really watching. She snuck one in there too. But Jeff Casey's with us here. <laughs> That's nice. What makes you mad about Lucy? Well, I looked at the avatar. I'm not so sure that it's legit. Oh, gotcha. You're not sure that Lucy is legit. Lucy, if if you're real and you're actually listening to me. Who you got in game three? (laughs) Who you got and what's the score going to be in game three, Lucy? Come on. All right. Well, we come back here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Um, We talked about a couple of the guests on today's show. Michael Ruzioni later on in the show that captain from the 1980 U.S. men's hockey Olympic gold team will join us. We're 100 days away, Bags, from day one, opening ceremony to the 2022 Beijing Winter Games. I know you're... 100 you're, days, who cares? But I like the idea we're going to get Ruzioni. I mean, I'm glad you talked to him this morning. But yeah. 100 days, we do this all the time. And I know it's for the NBC station. We do it on the right. news, too. It's like 100 days. 100 days? Who cares? <laughs> I know. I hear you. 
I hear you. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. All right. So Michael Ruzioni later on in the show, Paul bird though is next uh, 14 years as a major league baseball pitcher bags. He broke into the bigs with your Mets. He pitched for my Braves as well. Uh, he's a Braves broadcaster. Now he was in Houston for games one and two, obviously goes back to Atlanta now and he's fired up to see our guy, Ian Anderson, take the mound Friday night. We'll talk. To Paul Bird, you'll talk to. You'll talk to. I wasn't there. I'm looking forward to watching this to see what he says. Okay, so a little, uh, little surprise for the viewers and one of the hosts here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Paul Bird is next. Hang on, everyone. Overweight. If you snore, don't wait for your next physical to find out you have sleep apnea. It could cost you your job. Call Dr. Frederick Dreyer at the Integrative Sleep Center for a game-changing alternative in sleep apnea treatment and get a good night's rest. Teams. Athletes. Organizations. We're transforming the custom apparel industry through products and purpose. Claim your crown. Wondering what to do now that your Philips CPAP was recalled? Dr. Frederick Dreyer has a safe and effective alternative treatment for sleep apnea. Just pop it in and get a good night's rest. Keep your quality of life. Call the Integrative Sleep Center today. We work with all insurances. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. Back on Honorado and Bagnardi, and now joined by Paul Bird, who, uh, if you're in the 518, I know you've got the MLB package because you want to watch Ian Anderson pitch. And so you see Paul on Bally Sports covering the Atlanta Braves. Paul, man, thank you so much for taking the time with us here in Albany. I appreciate it. I'm down here slugging it out. Uh, in Houston and excited to see your guy, Ian Anderson, take the hill. He's been so huge for this team all year, ever since he got here, really, in 2020. Yeah. Um, they expected a slow start from him, and he just came in the league as one of the top pitchers right out of the gate. Well, and listen, the injuries to Mike Soroka and Max Freed was banged up, too, at the time. Like, Ian yeah. was really thrust into this thing. He didn't have time for a slow progression, right? No, he didn't. And let me just tell you this. When Ian was drafted, you know, I called my guys and they said, man, the Braves made a mistake. And I go, what do you mean? They said, well, it's not that Ian isn't good. It's just you could have got him in the second or the third round. He's not a third pick in the draft guy. And I was like, okay. So even when he got called up, I was ready for this guy who was not as good as he was. The scouting report that I got said that He's got a developing changeup, pretty yep. good curveball, good fastball, just okay. And when I saw him take the mound and beat Garrett Cole right out of the gate with one of the best changeups that I have ever seen, I just took that scouting report, <laughs> threw it in the trash. I go, this, this guy's the real deal. And um, he kept pitching like that. And, you know, the playoffs have meant nothing to him. He's calm, cool, and collected. And uh, I love to watch him pitch. All right, we'll, we'll talk more about Ian here, certainly. But I want to ask you about why. Well, let me give you first full disclosure. I'm, I'm from northern New Jersey, but growing up in the 90s, yeah. man, I was watching the Braves on TBS. I am, as far back as I can remember, a Braves fan, die hard. Um, 
why was I so wrong about this team? And believe me, I, I've never been happy yeah. to look like a complete idiot. People would ask me, what do you think of the Braves? I'd say they're okay, but even if they get to the playoffs, they're not going to make any real noise. Why is it different? Why was I so off? I think a lot of people have underestimated this team. And it just felt like, and I'm talking about people that, like you, are big Braves fans or people that, you know, have covered the team for a long time. They have good players, but it just felt like they were stuck in mud. And we set a record for win-loss, win-loss, win-loss of 17. It's like, man, this team's just not going anywhere. It's not their year. They lost Ronald Acuna Jr., others. You mentioned Soroka. And there was this feeling like we're snake bit. But then Alex Anthopoulos decided to go and get some players. And he went and got Rosario. People said, why do we get Rosario? He's hurt. He doesn't have a good average. It's over. He's been the MVP so far for mm -hmm. me in the playoffs. You got Solaire, and they said, this guy's not even hitting 200. He can't help us. <laughs> He's been unbelievable. And then you got Adam Duvall, who's an RBI leader, uh, led the league in home runs, but he's hitting 220. So can this guy really help us that much? And then Jock Peterson as well, can't hit lefties. And the next thing you know, all of these cast-offs uh, fit perfectly in this team. And since that trade, the Braves have team, been the best team in baseball. So you got to forget about their overall record and realize since those trades, statistically, they're the best team in baseball. Now, I'm, I'm going to assume it was the last time Atlanta and Houston played one another in the playoffs, but refresh my memory here. Was it 04 when you were on that Braves squad? Is that the last time these two teams went head-to-head? -head? And was it, as much as it pains me to remember, was it the Chris Burke game? It wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't 04. Chris Burke wasn't 04, but it was my first time in the playoffs okay. for the Braves here. And yes... Uh, we did lose to the Astros. They had some good pitching. They had Clemens, Pettit, and some others. We uh, uh, we did our best, but just came up short in that one. It was a great series. And really, the Braves haven't made any noise or gone this far since 99 in the playoffs. So everybody's very excited. And um, it's, uh, I don't want to say a huge rivalry, but it's certainly there. And people remember what you're talking about. All right, so... Ian will go game three. Let me take you back to game one, though. The injury to Charlie Morton, who yeah. is just such a big game pitcher, and, and you would presume he would have had the ball in game five. What does this injury do, Paul, to the way Atlanta shuffles the rotation? Well, it just means that the other guys, you know, have to step up and throw longer. And if somebody comes in the game, they have to stretch it out just a little bit. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, um, you know, it's all hands on deck. It's the World Series. You got a lot of uh, time to rest that arm. And when you get in the game, you're going to have so much energy that any little bit of soreness can kind of go away. And you just got to kind of fight through it if you're not injured. So I think everybody in the bullpen's up to the challenge. And then, you know, you're going to have like a guy like a Kyle Wright who may come up big later on in the series, whether it's a win or a loss. You need somebody that can give you five or six innings, eight yep. innings, and allow that bullpen to be fresh um, if they're taxed. And I was at, it was SunTrust then, the year it opened. What a ballpark. Now that it's truest, yeah. what are you expecting Friday night, man? What's that crowd going to be like? The last game against the Dodgers, I have never heard, not just Truist Park, I have never heard a place that was that loud. 
um, I'm high-fiving people in the battery, and they are hurting my hand. These are teenagers. You know what I'm saying? They are swinging. Everybody is so jacked up. It's so loud. And, you know, you can have uh, 40,000 in the park, and there's another 50 outside the park that are just so when somebody hits a home run, the stadium erupts, and then two seconds later, because of the delay on TV, the battery erupts. And it's just like nothing I've ever heard before in my life. And there's a definite advantage to playing in that kind of atmosphere when that's your home team. All right, how does our guy do this? 23 years old, going to make a World Series start. Yeah, I know we pitched Game 7 of the NLCS last year, but but how, how does he do it? What is it about Ian Anderson? What's his makeup like, Paul, that gives you confidence when he takes the mound? So Brian Sinker said it best in his first big league start against the Yankees, against Garrett Cole, he's in the dugout and he goes, I could talk to him. And he said, I've never been able to talk to a rookie in the middle of his first big league start in the game. He was so relaxed. He was smiling. He was enjoying the moment that usually doesn't happen until you're five, 10 years in the big leagues and you're, you've learned to breathe, you're confident in your abilities, and you're not overwhelmed with the situation. That was Ian Anderson game one. So as I said earlier, the scouting report was very wrong on him. Everybody down here is a huge fan of Ian Anderson. He just, he's got the beard, the happy-go-lucky you know, attitude. He's a good interview. The Kevin Herter thing really helps. And let me say this, Kevin Herter said he couldn't hit a breaking ball, so he had to go to basketball. And then Ian Anderson said, I couldn't guard anybody. So I knew it was, it was over. And we in Atlanta are so happy for both those guys, but especially Ian, that he could not guard anybody right. so that he could be on the mound and pitch for the Atlanta Braves because you don't have to guard anybody. You just have to hit your spots. And he does that so well. Well, yeah, Kevin and Ian are guys we covered in high school. I was just texting with Kevin, actually, before we popped on to do this interview. I'm going to be down in Atlanta, middle of November, to take in a Hawks game to see Kev play, which I'm pumped about. Uh, I've covered him a bunch in the NBA, but never just been a fan, which will be a lot of fun uh, to be part of that. So I love that you you throw out his name there. Can I say Um, one more thing about Ian, too? Because you asked me the scouting report, why is he so good? He does something else that's incredible he lets the ball go really really late and he is number two in all the baseball at release point towards the hitter glass now is number one and glass now is six seven so ian does a really good job of letting the ball go late and extending so his 94 miles an hour plays up like it's in the upper 90s so when you see a lot of guys swing through <clears throat> balls up in the zone that could be kind of mistakes yeah they're quick it gets on you quick. So because of that, you have to get ready earlier. And then when you get ready earlier, he drops the changeup. It doesn't have that same velocity. It looks exactly the same. And that's why you see guys like Juan Soto and others looking really stupid. And you don't see Juan Soto looking stupid on anybody else. But you've seen that on Ian Anderson's changeup. And he kind of scratches his head yeah. and looks confused and walks back to the dugout like, man, I just don't see the ball well on this guy. So, um that's big, and we need that guy in the playoffs against the Astros. Man, I never heard that before. I love that yeah. release point. So yes. 94 will what? Look, 96, 97? Can it, can it go that uh, high? It looked like 98, 99. I mean, it's, it gets on you. That also depends, too, on how a guy gets in the box 
And yeah. uh, since he throws everything at the exact same angle from behind his head, he's got deception to that change up same way. So he's an anomaly, man. And he is very, uh, very effective when he's getting ahead in the count and hitting his spots because you got to deal with all that other stuff. And guys who see him over and over again are not picking up on that. All right. I got a couple more things for you. And I promise I'll yeah, let man. you go here. I'm um, here. The change up. Uh, now, I told you I grew up watching the Braves in the 90s. Tom Glavin is the reason I am a Braves fan. And there was nobody it. better with a change up than number 47. You don't see it a lot, though, now as like an effective out pitch. Pitchers mix it in, but but like yeah. that is Ian's out pitch now. So I know you just gave me release point and all that stuff and the distance, but why is the changeup, if he's thrown it at 88 or 86, why is that such an effective pitch when a lot of other guys don't use it as an out pitch? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm a little disappointed that you're not a Braves fan because of Paul Bird, <laughs> but I certainly I understand Tom. I was Glavin. before you. Yeah. That's why. That's that's a great answer. That makes sense to me now. <laughs> um, one of the things about Glavin's changeup, because I've been a teammate of Tom's and I've also hit off Tom in a game, um, his changeup just looks just like his fastball. The same spin, the same rotation on the ball. So you're ready to go. You know Tom Glavin's going to throw strikes. And you're like, man, that is a sinker. And then you go to swing. And I literally in Philadelphia pitching against him almost threw my back out on a swing because <laughs> I went to swing and it wasn't there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to look stupid. Let's slow up so you don't look like an idiot. And the next thing you know, I look even worse and my back is hurting me. Um, so Ian Anderson has that exact same fastball rotation, four seam, Glass was two seamer. He has that exact same four-seam four rotation on the changeup that he does as the fastball. Mm. So you don't have a lot of time to make a decision on what the pitch is and swing and figure out where it is and then hand-eye coordination, get the barrel of the bat to that point, you know, um, less than half a second to make that decision. And so you see the exact same spin as the fastball on Ian's changeup. And so he can throw it into righties. He can throw it away. He can throw it pretty much anywhere in the zone. And you just read something different. And the next thing you know, that guy's out in front. And they either pop up, just miss, look stupid, swing through it. There's so many options um, because it's not easy to recognize. You know what? I'm just thinking of it now, too. Um, not that they're similar pitchers, but, my God, the, the number of first innings that plagued Glavin, now we yes. you know, that's something we we always look for. Ian, hey, can he get through the first inning clean? Because yes. there, it's it's he's home free. Yes, that's it. And you know, sometimes you'll start to throw your first inning in the bullpen to try and get that out of the way. You may have a guy stand in, or you do something to adjust to mm. that. And then sometimes it's just, hey, this is going to be me the rest of my career, like a Glavin, you know, who's in the Hall of Fame. So it ended up okay for him, yeah. by the way. But you just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to struggle in that first inning and I've got to find a way to get through it. And I got to know that, uh, you know, this, these are my keys to get through it or you got to get that good defensive play to get you out of it. Once he gets on a roll, look out. It doesn't matter who walks up to the plate. When he's in a groove, he's going to be successful. All right. I usually bother Ian's dad, Bob Anderson, uh, every game day here. Every time before it's a big game, he yeah. and I will text back and forth because he knows my my fandom. Uh, I texted him a screenshot of something Jock Peterson wrote in the Players' Tribune. I don't know if he had a chance to read it, but he credits Ian with changing 
Jock's walk-up song to Way Too Sexy, man. How does a, a vet like Jock <laughs> come into the locker room and, and immediately yeah. kind of meld with Ian? That's why Jock's so good. You know, he connects with everybody. And he was the only guy on that article, you know, you see that is on the pitcher's bus <laughs> playing right. cards with the pitchers, encouraging the pitchers. And what a, you know, great thing that was because what he said to them you know, really ignited them. And he gives them credit, like, hey, if we're going to do it, it's going to be you guys. And um, Jock makes everybody better, makes things fun. You know, I never thought I would be a grown man going to work wearing pearls, <laughs> but here we are. Yep. So he's even brought out things I didn't even know that I would do. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really good. And the fact that Ian had that effect on him, too, uh, it's got to make Ian feel great. So they got a good thing going in that clubhouse, a lot of chemistry, and you see that played out on the field. And I hear there's also a wine club. Can you take us inside yes. here? What's up with the wine club? <laughs> That's good stuff, too. Yeah, you got the wine club. Um, you know, I had a little wine uh, club with Joe Madden when I was with the Angels. And nice. our, yeah, it was who could find the best bottle of wine under $30. And uh, I ended up winning with a, a bottle called Trentadue. I'm real proud of that. And as you can tell, and Joe Madden still talks about that today. And, you know, that was 16 years ago. So when you have little special things like that, um, those are the things you remember. Those are the things that bring you together because baseball is such a grind. I mean, yep. you can't sit around and talk 10 hours a day. Would you go to work for 10 hours to 12 hours a day? And sit there and talk about baseball the whole time. So it's fun when you you have those other things that connect you, like cards, like wine, like walk-up songs, like the way you may dress or something. And this team's got a lot of personality, and it's a blast to cover. Well, I hope Ian's got a really good bottle. 30 bucks or more, I don't care how much it costs. I hope he's got a good one to uncork on Friday night That's after right. that Game 3, man. Thank you so much for your time, man. I'm just uh, really excited that, you sent Ian our way, and he's an Atlanta Brave, so you guys should be proud up there. Paul, we so appreciate it, brother. Enjoy the rest of the series, man. Thank you for taking the time with us. Hey, folks, DJ with Professional Fire Restoration, and we've been turning crisis into calm for a half a century. Imagine waking up one morning and having your house on fire. Nobody ever thinks it can happen to them, but it happened to my family. The first thing I did was call Professional Fire Restoration. From start to finish, DJ was there every step of the way. Thank God I made the right call. They turn crisis into calm for my family. When only the best will do, you know who to call. Professional Fire Restoration. Happiness is found in simple things. The sun on your face. Sharing laughs. At the campground. Getting wet. Relaxing together. The love of family. There's never been a better time to go outside and play. Alpenhouse Pool Spa Boat and RV. Bringing families together and creating memories since 1964. And now, your weekly NFL Pick'em. Presented by Pick 6 Vodka. All right, Bags, here we go. NFL Pick'em will run through how we did last week. Uh, even got a quick little comment here from the Rockman, oh, who was our guest 
last week. And so I'll let him kind of take his shot here, Bags, before we get into exactly how you and I both did last week. The Rockman says he beat you. He did, in fact, beat you. He did. Uh, but I beat him. So that is ultimately all that really, really matters. Honorado Bagnardi's NFL pick I'm presented by Pick 6 Vodka. If you are going out this weekend to watch some games, go see our boy Robbie uh, at uh, Tipsy Moose in Troy. Got a few locations. Go check out the Troy location not far from Hudson Valley Community College. How about a guy, Rocky, at Philly Bar and Grill? Great guy has supported me in the past in, in some fundraising efforts. Go to Philly Bar and Grill. Clancy's Tavern, downtown Saratoga Springs, Tom Clancy, Griffin Clancy, great family, great place. Go check out some football at Clancy's Tavern on Lower Caroline Street. Lake George is never out of season bags. We've said it here on the show before. Go watch some games to the Garrison, big supporters of Pick 6 Vodka. And if you just want to chill at home the way I do, watching some NFL games, go to Purdy's Liquor in Saratoga Springs for your bottle of Pick 6 Vodka and make your cocktails on game day uh, at home. So right. thing, well done with Paul Bird. Um, Ashley pointed out the greatest cop that, cool? that, that late release. You know, to break it down like that, doesn't it make you think, though, like how does anybody hit a baseball? How does anybody hit a baseball? It's the most difficult thing to do in all of sports. Uh-huh. In all of sports. Yeah. I mean, if the late release is going to make that much of a difference where his speed is now looking like it's four or five miles an hour faster at times, and then he's going to throw the change up. Like, if the guy's, if the guy's not wild, how, you, how are you doing anything? How are you possibly even putting the bat to the ball, let alone being productive, getting hits? Can I give you one of these? Because when Birdie made that comment, I you, you could see my reaction. I loved it. I told him as much. I'm glad Ashley latched onto it too. I thought I did think to myself though, this is one that Bags may dismiss as overanalyzing no. at what point you release the ball, how close to the plate, and all that stuff. So I'm glad you're on board. Well, yeah, and the only reason is too, I mean, we know it's all about reaction time. And and in baseball, it's fractions of a second that we're talking about that make so much of a difference between the really good pitchers, the really good hitters and the average hitters. And if you're going to have something like that, where it's a late release that gives that extra fraction of a second or two, where you have less time to pick up the ball, that can be a huge difference because of how difficult it is to hit a baseball. So no, I recognize that. And that was a a great thing. Like you said, I've never heard anybody else say that either about, about Ian. And it kind of makes sense because when you watch it, it looks like he is throwing faster with the way hitters react at times. And it's like, oh, that's probably why. I should just assume that everything is a stat these days. But I I had never even considered that would be measured on any level, release point close to the plate. Right. Uh, Nick says best cheesesteaks at Philly. Yeah, okay, there you go. Get a Philly cheesesteak, have a Moscow mule with a little pick six vodka when you go see our guy Rocky uh, at Philly Bar and Grill. Here's how we did last week, Shawnee. Hey, 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 up to 500, <laughs> celebrating a 500 record at 21 and 21. I was four and two last week, Bags. You were two and four. Brutally. You were Frank Rocco was three and three. Those are the standings currently. Yep, brutal week for me. The worst part is that you have now really gained some ground on me here. I was close enough, but now... Now I've got work to do, and I'm curious to see how you pick this week because I'm feeling 
like it's going to be a huge bounce back week for me. I'm very confident about my picks. And I hope that I'm opposite of what you have on a lot of these so I can make up some ground. Uh, it's only three games. We've got a long way to go here. Uh, the first game we'll pick is Dolphins at Bills. And Buffalo is a two-touchdown favorite for all intents and purposes here. 13 and a half of Bills offense that's very explosive. Yeah. What have um, I told you about the Bills? Spreads you are not against them ever again. I don't know what. Well, spreads are not going to scare me with this team. Big spreads are not going to scare me because I'm so confident now that they're going to be able to cover especially in a game like this at home against a one six team. No, give me the bills. Okay. Yeah. You're on the bills. We're all on the bills. And our guest picker this week is James Ruggett. Uh, he is on the bills here as well. So we all say Buffalo beats the dolphins by at least 14 Ooh. on Sunday. So here's one Shawnee where you don't gain an advantage, but, but still, but still. You just want to get them right at some level as well. You know what I mean? Next game we're picking is your Jets. Let's have first crack at this one. Cincinnati's five and two. They are ten and a half point favorites on the road. But of course, no Zach Wilson at quarterback for New York. Yeah, I don't know if that's better or worse for the Jets at this point. But uh, yeah, let's let's go Bengals on this one for me. Um, you know, I like Cincinnati by. 10 to 14 in that range. So maybe the Jets cover because of the half a point if they lose by 10. It's not going to be any closer than that. And either way, I just see this as probably being worse. So, yeah, like the Bills, I've learned enough about the Jets to not be scared off by any number that they're going to cover. So give me the Bengals. Cincinnati is legit, and they will win comfortably. Comfortably. First of all, They'll score in the 30s. The yeah. Jets, if the Jets score more than 14, I'm going to be surprised, Bags. Agreed. This, but James. This one, yeah, here we go. This is what I like here because the most important thing is beating the viewer. And if we're going to have a viewer come on and pick the Jets now, <laughs> I like our chances. I really do. All right, so James Raggett is on the Jets there to cover the 10 and a half. I can't imagine he's going to pick them to win, but he's picking the Jets to cover the 10 and a half. Here's an AFC North battle. Steelers, Browns, a lot of injuries to this Cleveland team, and that includes the quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Is he healthy enough and ready to go? But is Nick Chubb going to play? Kareem Hunt got banged up, and the Browns are three and a half point favorites at home here. Pittsburgh has a good defense, and I'm just going to – I'm going to – Cleveland's already well. Pittsburgh's already lost once to Cincinnati. I, I just I don't see Pittsburgh falling so far behind in this division beneath Baltimore anyway. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Cincinnati and Cleveland, I think they're going to keep it close enough. Bags and so with all the injuries to Cleveland, man, I'm up. Boy, we're all on Pittsburgh. This surprised me. Okay, we're all on Pittsburgh. They're the underdog on the road, but on the road. But to me, the Steelers' defense makes the difference in this one for me. And then of health, of course, if, if Baker doesn't play, we're all on Pittsburgh. Well, that's just it. I mean, don't be so surprised. You actually made some good points. Uh, yes, this is – division games typically close. Um, you mentioned the injuries. Pittsburgh's not bad. I'm not high on Cleveland at full strength, as you know. So yeah. this, to me, is basically a pick and it's like you're going to give me – 
points with the Steelers, great, because there's a good chance they could win the game. And if not, then I at least have a field goal to play with. So that's why I was on Pittsburgh there. All right, I got to pick up the pace a little bit here. Michael Ruzioni coming up shortly. Patriots at the Chargers. This one for me was easy. I don't know. You've spent a lot of time on it. Chargers favored by five and a half. You're telling me L.A. can't beat uh, a very, very average New England team going east to west. Uh, I I love, love Justin Herbert, man. And I love this scenario. Give me, okay, give me L.A. and give me the island. I love it. Man, I'm a little bit upset here that, James, this was one where I thought I could sneak one in and be different but still have a good chance. I just think Belichick's going to be prepared in this one. Um, I don't love them to win this game, but I wouldn't be shocked if they did. At the very least, though, to cover, I'd feel more comfortable if it was six or seven, the five and a half. Gave me a little bit of pause, but I was looking for one game out of the six that we had where I thought I could steal one, and for some reason, this one just stood out to me, so I may not steal against the viewer here, but here we go. Maybe I gained some ground on you. Man, I say no chance New England wins that game. Uh, Dallas, here's the one that that I would... The line has moved, but this is the number bags when when we when I gave you the game and when we gave James the viewer the game. So it's down to one and a half because there's uncertainty about Dak Prescott playing in this game, which now makes me regret my pick, and that'll tell you which way I'm leaning. Cowboys Vikings anyway, Sunday night football on NBC News Channel 13. If Dak doesn't play, it's an entirely different conversation because it becomes Cooper Rush's team. The Cowboys are better than Minnesota if Dak is healthy and playing. That's why I said, you know what? I have no doubt that Dallas can cover at least two and a half. All right, we're all on the Cowboys, so this is a wash either way. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's like that they just have to win by a field goal, so basically they just have to win, and I think they're better. So same thing, though. If Dak's not there, that changes the game a little bit. But um, Because Minnesota's not bad. Look, not. I don't love Kirk Cousins, but Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen is having a heck of a first half of the season already. Yeah. So – and Minnesota's not bad. I don't want to completely dismiss them as even if Dak is healthy of them having a chance to win this game. But um, if I knew Dak was out, if you told me right now, hey, it's Cooper Rush, I, I would I would pick Minnesota. That's the that's the difference for me. Well, on these Sunday games, man, I mean, they, you know, they're usually pretty good, these Sunday night games. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you on Dallas. Monday night, will you watch the actual broadcast or will you watch Manning cast? Giants at the Chiefs. Kansas City favored by 10 and a half. This is a team, Bags, that over the last two years has really struggled against the spread, mostly because they're always favored by double digits, but they have struggled to cover the spread. I'm talking about Kansas City. I took my chance with the Giants last week. I'm going with the Giants again this week to, to keep it closer than you think. No. Chiefs are not going to struggle. Chiefs? The Chiefs have been a, an odd team this year, as you know, because I had them at the very top of the AFC, as I think a lot of people did. And now that's come into serious question with the way they have looked. We're talking about the New York Giants. This is a primetime game for the Chiefs. They're going to turn things around in a big way and blow out the New York football Giants by more than 10.5 points. Give me Kansas City here. Okay. I, I think the Chiefs have some – deep rooted issues this year and it and it will not be covered up with Mahomes playing off script 
no look throws. The Giants not, not setting the Giants his. Giants are not good. I understand, but they're good enough to keep this thing close. Is Saquon Barkley going to play? No. Any of the receivers are going to play? The same? And this. Yeah. I, look, the cupboard's it's thin. It's not bare. Uh, but they're coming off a win. Can't we give them a little respect for that? They're, the Giants are coming off a win. The Chiefs in prime time on the road. I hear you. I still like the pick. Okay. Chance to pick up a game here. I'll take that. All right, when we come back here on Honorado and Bagnardi, Mike Aruzioni is helping us count down from 100. we got 100 days until opening ceremony of the Beijing 2022 Winter Games. We'll talk with the hero of that game against the Soviets and the captain of the 1980 U.S. Hockey Olympic team next right here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Marcella's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You can have peace of mind that Marcella's is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, Jenner, and many more. Shop Marcella's Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. Hey folks, DJ with Professional Fire Restoration, and we've been turning crisis into calm for a half a century. Hi, my name is Tova. As a first time home buyer, I was proud and excited. Four months later, I walked down to my basement and I was standing in a foot of water. I was anxious, overwhelmed, nervous. I even cried. My first call was to DJ at Professional Fire. When only the best will do, you know who to call. Professional Fire Restoration. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. The Beijing Winter Olympics are right around the corner. The games begin in 100 days. And joining us today is NBC Sports contributor and captain of the 1980 Miracle on Ice U.S. hockey team, Mike Aruzioni. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. We're 100 days away. What would you say you're maybe looking forward to most? Well, obviously the hockey, uh, men's and women's, but uh, I think what I'm looking forward to most is, is, the, is the unknown. Um, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, we don't know who all these athletes are. They've been training a lot of them by themselves somewhere, someplace. So uh, I think they're going to be some out of Beijing. And uh, again, I think that the unknown is going to be the exciting part. Who are these athletes? Who are these young men and women uh, that have been training for four years or maybe even longer for that one moment, that one opportunity uh, and because of pandemic, um, I think they're going to be some great stories. But clearly, you know, the men's and women's hockey, uh, I'm, I'm a little biased with that. Yeah, that's okay. How about the return of NHL players specifically on the men's hockey side of things? Yeah, again, you know, we're going to go in as one of the favorites. Um, we've got some great players. I know the team hasn't been picked yet. I think they've selected three players right now. I think it's Austin Matthews, uh, Seth Jones, and, and Patrick Kane. Um, so, you know, who's going to follow, you know, them after, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, obviously it's an NHL season going on right now. Uh, who's going to be healthy. You hope nobody gets hurt. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to be on the team. I probably have an idea of who they're going to select right now, but, uh, we've got a great talent pool. We've got a lot of great players, American players playing in the national hockey league. So I'm excited about the opportunity for our team. I think clearly we're going to go in 
with the chance to win a, win a gold or win a medal. I can't imagine you ever get tired of going down memory lane, so I hope you'll, you'll go there with us here as we just crossed 40 years since that miracle on ice, since that goal you scored put us ahead of the Soviets in 1980 in Lake Placid. Do you ever get tired talking about it or thinking about it? <laughs> no. Um, you know, it, it brings a smile clearly to my face, but the, the great thing is it brings a smile to the people that I'm talking to. It was a moment that, uh, and, and again, we didn't know, uh, touched the lives of so many people in this country. And I've said this many times over the last few months, we, we need another 1980 this year. We need a moment to, to rally this country and get everybody, you know, on the same page. And that's what that moment did. Um, we brought joy to so many people and um, I think that's the, that's the thing that I cherish even 41 years later. Uh, somebody comes up to me and they've got a smile on their face and they got a story to tell me about where they were, who they were with and what was happening in their life at the time. And uh, so many people will, will say, I remember where I was when we won. And I always say to them, we, I didn't know you were on the team. <laughs> uh, but that's what that moment was. It brought joy to so many people for, for whatever different reason. And uh, I think that's what my teammates and I take great pride in 40 some odd years later is the smiles that we see on people's faces when they bring up that moment. Well, as you know, Lake Placid is not far from where we are in the capital region of New York, and that's a, a small right. arena, what is now Herb Brooks Arena, but I'm sure a million people claim to have been there that day. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the building held, I think, 9,000 people, and over the years, I think there were probably 50,000 people <laughs> that I've met that said, hey, I was at that game, and uh, I call Lake Placid Pleasantville. It's the, it's the greatest little place, the greatest little community, and what a great place to hold the Olympic Games when we were there in 1980. I think it, the family atmosphere there was probably pretty typical of our team, the family that we had as a team was the family in Lake Placid. Well, Mike, we so appreciate you joining us here and uh, happy belated birthday. I hope you continue to celebrate that and I hope we'll be celebrating at the end of February as well with a gold medal in both hockey. Mike, thank you so much. The great Mike Arruzioni right. here with us here from the 1980 Miracle on Ice team. If you're overweight, if you snore, don't wake apnea. It could cost you your job. Call Dr. Frederick Dreyer at the Integrative Sleep Center for a game-changing alternative in sleep apnea treatment and get a good night's rest. Teams. Athletes. Organizations. We're transforming the custom apparel industry through products and purpose. Claim your crown. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. All right, Bags, uh, on our way out here a little bit, let me do just a, a quick bit of housekeeping. Um, we'll go back over our picks if you miss them. Here's a complete look at our week eight selections. We're all on the bills. You and I, Shawnee, like the Bengals. While James, who is a Jets fan, is going with the Jets. We're all on Pittsburgh. I'm on my island with the Chargers, and quite frankly, I like it there alone without the two of you. Then we're all on Dallas, and again, give me the island with the New York Giants on Sunday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs. 
No, no, no. See, you have to unmute yourself. If you want to say something on this show. No, no, Bex. Come on. Let's clean it up. Let's clean it up. Get yourself off mute. I, I, oh, you know what happened? So you told me to unmute it. I unmuted it and you clicked to unmute it. So you remuted. Mm, the yeah, remute. So, listen, what I was saying is I'm very happy about my picks this week. And by this time next week, you and I are going to be locked up and we're going to have a real good stretch run here for the second half of the season. We're going to be going back and forth. Okay. We'll yeah. see. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, yeah, James is a Jets fan, so you know what? I, I'm. I don't. I don't hate when people pick their team. I'm good with that. That's your squad. Go for it. Would you pick the Nets at this point? Your squad to win an NBA championship. How no. concerned should you be? Two and three, and no Kyrie. So obviously, the Kyrie situation is going to have to figure itself out. If if they don't have Kyrie Irving. They have to get something back for him, as we've talked about. But let's just say this is he team... tradable. Is he tradable? Look, I know you say it has to resolve itself. Why he could just not play at all? Yeah, I know, and that's and that and and that's that's resolution of a sort. Is that it? Just you're you're dealing with what you have. What I'm saying is, if this team, as is right now, goes into the playoffs, they're not winning a championship because they have they're talented. They they're deep. They still have Harden. That who, by the way, is because of the rule change, not getting any of the same calls he used to. I, I was screaming at the NBA for years about how they were going to get away with everything. He comes to my team, they changed the whole friggin' rules, and he gets no calls now. It's brutal. But so, how about this? I saw on ESPN stats and info, it's Paul Hembakitis yeah. who, who tweeted it out. Harden is, I think, 54th or 45th. My math dyslexia getting to me here. In the NBA, in terms of foul calls per game, it's unbelievable. And he was the guy at the top. But the bigger issue with the team, they're still not rebounding well at all. Way too many second chance points. They still turn the ball over too much. The the glaring issues that cost them a year ago don't seem to be getting better. And unless there's big improvement in those areas, I know it's so early in the season. But again, it feels like nothing has changed with this team. And if nothing does change, if they stay the same and they don't get anything positive out of the Kyrie Irving situation, then no, they're not going to win a championship. Quickly, we got 10 seconds here. When we do this show this time next week, we will we will be done with baseball season. Braves or Astros win the World Series? Braves in seven. Braves in seven. I don't think I can handle it. I'll take Braves in six. Thanks for watching everybody on the News Channel 13 Facebook page and on my four.